What's up, ecosystem? Welcome back to ATI Auto Business. It is now time again for live carrier advice with Brian Riker, your DOT guy. We're now doing this once a month, and it's on a noon on a Wednesday, and we'll talk about when we'll do our next one. But today, we're going to talk about new authority application. Um, Brian's going to give advice. He recently had one that he was uh, looking at. He'll tell us more about it which is cool. So do me a favor, please do leave a like. You can click share, click copy, grab that YouTube link. Do you know somebody that wants to learn more about new authority application and just isn't sure where to turn? Well, here today on ATI Auto Business, we're gonna be talking more about that. Please do feel free to jump in the live chat. You can put it in the comments below. We'll check viewer mail. We got a couple other things. Um, what is the EV Coalition all about? This is news. This is big news, actually, so we're going to talk to Brian and see if we can get some insight. I got a copy of a letter. I found out who's in the coalition. What is the coalition? Well, we're going to talk more about it. So please do help me wish a very warm welcome to my co-host. He's your DOT guy. Brian Riker, can you see me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I love the drum roll and the applause. Feels good. I'm elevated to co-host now from guest. I love it. <laughs> oh, you've never been just a guest. You've always <laughs> been a co-host. Um, well, th this Wednesday show wouldn't be what it is without you. What would I do? <laughs> I don't Read know. the live chat? <laughs> yes. No, I, I love it, and I'm happy to be here. we got to have a little bit of fun. Yeah, no, and we're glad you're here. I mean, we really are. I, I, don't, know, I don't know who stumbles upon the video after the fact. Um, but I mean, we're lucky to have this as a resource, Brian, you've got incredible credentials. We don't need to go over them, but if you are, if you're tuning in, if you find this video, you're lucky because Brian knows a lot of stuff. Um, and I mean, we're going to jump into that. I guess I'll do this. Hey, and I'll, here's the live chat. Danny B is here. What's going on? Uh, Devin Victory Lap is here. What's going on? And you know, one of the things I want to ask the live chat is what changes have you seen in the YouTube Facebook verse, right? Do you monitor social media for kind of knowledge temperature? Yes. What are, what have you seen? I, I, I've seen a lot more people apparently giving bad advice for the entertainment value of it. And, and it really gets under my skin. Uh, um that and i've seen a lot of the experienced people get frustrated with social media and just step away and stop commenting or contributing their valuable advice uh, uh social media is a little bit of a stew right now and i think the stew is starting to spoil you know and and so i'll tell you what here so that's interesting i agree with you um and i also one of the things i see when the when like knowledge doesn't work then i see like hype Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine tuning in for the hype on a regular basis. But you know, we all develop patterns of behavior. I guess I don't know. But here's what I see. This is interesting. On my side, at the trade shows and in just automotive, there are now more podcasts than ever. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 wild. Um, now I know that's tough. That's tough for me and you to then hear. Because we don't consider ourselves just another podcaster. 
neither does anybody else. This is the problem. Yes, and, and it leaves the audience scratching their heads wondering who to listen to, especially when we have contradicting advice. And now what I will speak to on that is just because somebody has different advice from me, they may not be incorrect or I may not be incorrect. Some of them flat out are, but there are more than one way. There is more than one way to safely operate your fleet or to accomplish the goals that we're set that we set out to do. So just because Jay and I say it, it's not the only way to do it, folks. What? So actually, so what I do, you're right, is I try to tune in as much as possible. And if I find I don't like something, I try to tune in again later just to check. Mm-hmm. We all have um, bad days. I mean, right, exactly. Yeah, well, that sums up ATI. Um, let's check the news and see what's going on. Uh, we're going to get to uh, the authority new authority application. Before I do, let's see. Devin says, does Brian have any tips for my new entry audit? Starts in one week. I just got the letter. Uh, short haul exemption, non-CDL. Um, you will need to, because that is a fairly automated system, even though you'll have a real person name and contact at the bottom of the email, you, uh, um, you will need to include a letter with the other information you upload explaining why you do not have ELD or logbook records, that you are short haul exemption, and then expect them to ask for several more trip documents after that because they're going to try to catch you outside the 150 air mile or 14 hour radius. So expect them to ask for additional supporting documents beyond the one interstate trip they currently ask for. Um, but my advice is, these auditors that perform this, most of them have the heart of a teacher. And so if you don't understand exactly what they're asking for, that's why you have their email address and their phone number, give them a call. But do not wait to the last minute to submit everything. You get the notice and you have 20 days to respond. Respond as quickly as you can. Make sure you're sending them only what they're asking for in the beginning. Do not volunteer any extra information because whatever you send them, they can investigate and use to determine your safety fitness or determine if you have uh, other violations. Generally, your new entrant review is not punitive in nature. They're not looking to fine you and put you out of business, but they will be looking for certain things. Now, as a non-CDL, you do not have a drug testing obligation, so you include that in the letter that you add and anything else in there that you can't or don't have the information for, you need to explain why. Make sense? Cool. All right, thank you. Um, and so if there's any follow-up on that, Devin, you can put it in the live chat. And, of course, if you have any questions, um, you can always email Brian. Email your DOT question on air at yourdotguide.com. I just put that in the live chat. Also, Brian's business website, Fleet Compliance Solutions. Feel free to visit his site. As a follow-up, oh, here Devin says, I noticed a lot of YouTubers are going out of business. Now, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on this because I could. Um, but... What I have seen, what I think is strange, is I thought I noticed this pattern. It seemed like a lot of people that were tired of their actual business started to do videos too. 
as a way mm-hmm. of like, I don't know. I don't know how you go from car hauler to just full-time YouTuber and not car hauling. I don't know. But I saw a lot of that, and I don't know what happened to a lot of those. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it probably did not monetize the way they expected. Which it does not. That's right. I literally own a desk and some TVs, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's no money doing YouTube. uh, uh, Those that do are the exception, not the rule. And the thing is, I don't do anything else. Like, I wouldn't do this if if there was another way I could make a bunch of money. Not that I would care, because I'm not driven by money. Mm -hmm. But... Anyways, yeah, no, it's weird. It's weird. And what I think is really weird is if you're a YouTuber and you go out of business, can your can your videos go with you? <laughs> you um, YouTube does a pretty good job of holding on to that stuff. Oh, no, they're still, still, they'll be there forever. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, Silverman ED Coalition is that the Central Dispatch Listers uh, ED. No, that's you're thinking of the Thursday show. Devin says too many clowns. A-lat, uh, question, a whole local, semi-local as a... To haul local, semi-local, as a car hauler, three-car wedge setup, what CDL credentials do I need? Good question. The question was what CDL credentials? Yeah. Let me read it again. Uh, semi, car hauler, three-car wedge, CDL. Uh, uh, the answer to that is going to depend upon the gross vehicle weight rating of your truck and trailer. If combined together, they exceed 26,000 pounds and the trailer alone is greater than 10,000, then you need a Class A CDL. If, when you add the sticker in the door and the sticker on the nose of your trailer together and they're equal to or lower than 26, then you do not need a CDL to operate that vehicle in any state except California and Oregon. And I'm guessing, I didn't, I didn't Google it, but you can go to the FMCSA website, probably get more information if you're looking for specifics. Uh, FMCSA doesn't really do a great job, but yes, the information is there if you know how to find it. And I misspoke. It's California and Washington that have different CDL rules, not California and Oregon. And speaking of heart of a teacher, Brian has the heart of a teacher. Feel free to email him on air at yourdotguy.com and get ready to read. Because he will (laughs) reply in triplicate. (laughs) Put him on the spot. Danny B, question for Brian related to the ELD is it a requirement to add a DVIR report or is it enough to just enter on duty and in the notes section add pre-trip inspection and post-trip inspection? Good question. Motor carrier just wants to see that you have documented either your pre- or post-trip. You don't even need to be on duty for both of them. Uh, the industry standard is log on duty for your pre-trip inspection in the morning and then flag the post-trip inspection when you go off duty at evening. Um, you, whether it gets recorded in the remarks section properly or not depends on your specific ELD. Uh, most of them, if you click the box and do the DVIR form built into your ELD, it will automatically flag you as on duty pre-trip inspection or post-trip inspection. Some, it does not automatically do that, and you have to manually go into the remarks section under your on-duty activity and say pre-trip inspection or safety check or something to that effect. Either way, you just have to make sure that you have a pre- and a post-trip shown in your log. And remember, one, 
normally the pre-trip must be on duty, you have the option of flagging the post-trip inspection because that is just a document review. At the end of the day, you check a box that everything was good with the truck and away you go. And Silverman's got a follow-up, I think with the California mention, are you a resident of those states, or if you are a resident of those states, is that follow-up? Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, California and Washington um, cannot enforce their stricter standards on non-residents. They have to go with what your home state says you are legally allowed to operate with your license. But if you are domiciled in their state, then obviously your license is from their state. You have to comply with their regulations. Good follow-up. Devin, follow-up. I keep daily driver records. The audit officer email me a daily log sheet. Should I send the originals or fill out his new sheet? Your copy is uh, probably uh, good enough to send to him. Um, is it something you created yourself or is it a standard form from J.J. Keller or something like that? There is some very specific language they look for on your daily inspection report uh, around the vehicle is free from defects. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there is one specific line that they look for. Now, that said, as a single truck owner operator, the FMCSA regulations only require you to document your pre and post trip inspection should you find a defect on it. Now, it's a good practice to do one every day anyhow, because mere compliance doesn't always mean you're safe. But if we want to split hairs here, as a single truck owner operator, you do not actually have to have a daily vehicle inspection report completed unless you find a defect. If you're just joining us, we are Live Carrier Advice. Uh, my name is Jay. I'm the founder of ATI Auto Business, and we're here with Brian Riker, your DOT guy, and he's giving advice. Um, if you are, you know, if you're, if you need like solid business legal advice, you can contact Brian's company. But if you are trying to get an understanding, um, this is a good opportunity to do that. Here, Aglat says, "I have a CDL Class A license." I have a one-ton truck, and this is a follow-up from earlier with the question. Okay. Uh, making sure, yeah. Okay, so I have CDL Class A license. I have a one-ton truck, three-car wedge. What do I need to cross two state lines, 500-mile radius? I'll be working New Jersey, PA, Maryland. All right. Well, if your truck meets the requirements to use that, CDL. So if your truck and trailer combination are over 26,000 pounds, obviously you need your USDOT and MC number no matter what, but you will also need IFTA, which is the International Fuel Tax Agreement. So you need fuel tax decals and a fuel tax count. You will need an IRP or a portioned registration plate from your home state. Um, and you said New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware. Uh, I don't believe I saw New York in there, but Correct. If you're if you're going to ever go to New York or Connecticut, you will need to register for the New York and Connecticut highway use tax accounts. Um, and then you need a medical card, of course, and you need to be enrolled in a drug and alcohol testing consortium since you're a CDL driver using your CDL. And then all the other record keeping, such as your driver qualification files, vehicle maintenance files, etc., and we do encourage, even though this is just friendly advice, um, if you if any of what Brian said requires further clarification, ask. You can ask Brian. You can put it in the comments below. Put it in the live chat. You're welcome to email him. 
Yes, you, you should Jordan. never base yeah. your business decisions off of two guys on YouTube. You need to do your follow-up <laughs> and make sure that you truly understand what you're getting into. Don't do something just because we told you to do it on YouTube. That is so incredibly insightful and the fact that you even have to say that is pretty wild <laughs> but that is a really really good point and I, I do want to say this to the to the live chat and everybody this is why like last night we did a show ati is everything in automotive anyways we're in we're in everywhere in automotive now because everything's connected and we are one of our goals is to outlast everybody else that came and went that is one of my goals. I mean, that's that's a really, really long game. But, um, yeah, that's one of my personal goals. So I hope to be here. Whoever's starting now, I'm going to outlast that guy. And his son. And his grandchildren. Okay. Um, what do we got here? Chris, that's a fact. Brian is the DOT whisperer. I went straight to CDL. Have non-CDL setup. Best thing you can do. I learned so much about the trucks and trailers from going to school for CDL. Nice. Yeah, we always encourage further education even if it doesn't apply to your daily life um devin said official day oh devin is using an official daily logbook. okay nothing wrong with that the that form should be fine now i think devin also you said you were running under the short haul exception so are you using the logbook to also track your time for your time record or are you just using it for the DVIR portion? Um, because if you are using it to track your time instead of a timesheet, then you need to make sure that it is filled out completely, not just a couple of lines scratched on it, or they're going to cite you for form and manner violations. Because as short haul, you're exempt from the ELD, so you're allowed to track your time with paper or a time card or something like that. But if you choose to use the logbook form, you have to fill it out completely and correctly. I'm always amazed at how complicated this gets. Like, when are we going to haul cars? <laughs> you, you ask one simple question. And stuff. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And as Chris pointed out, you're ahead of the game with a CDL. That's, yeah. And which is why I think we see so often, you know, I'm trying to do non CDL, which, you know, I mean, that's fine. It's just, it's a different ball. It's a different ball game. That's why non CDL, I think, is preferred in so many instances because clearinghouse, etc. You know, the links below, when I finish these videos, um, a few days later after I get everything done, there's a bunch of links below the video of all the different places you can go, portals and clearinghouse and all this. I mean, it really is intense. So we we really are, we're here to help, but, um, let's see here. Yeah, that's cool. So Devin, thank you guys. ALAT, I'm in PA, not New York. Thank you. Silvermint, New York is 18K and over, Chris. Uh, oh, we were talking about how... <laughs> So if a YouTuber says you're going to make 10K a week, like, that's it. Hey, honey, I'm making 10K a week. I just watched a video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's not. It's kind of scary. All right. Let's talk about getting an authority to operate. So you recently had, what did you have and what did you do? Well, when everything was good and the money was great, I was processing several to maybe a dozen or more new authority applications a week. That is a service that Fleet Compliance Solutions offers. And that all but dropped off when the market started to fall apart. And, and I'm 
pleased to say I have a new authority application, first one in a while that I'm processing instead of an out-of-business notification. And it made me want to talk about this a little bit to, A, remind everybody that you do not need to use a service such as mine or some of the other ones that are out there. You can do this yourself if you want to. If you choose to do it yourself, just be aware the slightest mistake on the form can cause them to reject your application and the filing fees are non-refundable. So you may have to start all over, plus the waiting period starts all over. You make a mistake, you submit it, didn't they had a mistake, they wait two weeks to review it, find something wrong, reject your application, and now you're starting all over. So it does pay to use a professional service that understands this. Now, when you're doing that, I don't want to see you get ripped off. The filing fee to the federal government is $300 for your operating authority. And then it's another, um, this year, I think UCR fee for zero to two trucks is under $60. Your process agent should not cost more than $30. So you have about $400 worth of filing fees. And then what some people's time is worth to do this um, and the peace of mind. So there are some companies out there that are charging two and $3,000 to get your operating authority. And that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, my fee is not cheap. We do charge $995 to file this, which includes all of your fees. But that also includes the audit support later for answering your new entrant review questions and making sure that your packets together, making sure you have a DOT qualified or, or DOT um, compliant driver qualification file, the basic information you need to know to create your vehicle maintenance records, your company policies. Uh, basically, it's a trucking company in a box. So you have all the forms you need for a one truck owner operator to get started. Um, also, keep in mind, the moment that you submit that application, your phone and email are going to blow up with people trying to sell you services you do not need. These are unscrupulous, bottom-of-the-barrel predators trying to separate you from your money. Ignore them. If it doesn't come from a .gov email address, it is not legitimate. Just dump it in the trash. There you go. Um, so as I shared the screen, okay, is there anything else to tell on this screen as far as, like, information, knowledge... Well, this, is, this yeah. screen is great because, first of all, it has a question and answer for who needs authority. So you can figure out if you absolutely need authority. It also has all the information for what the insurance levels are going to be, the processes for walking through applying, the web link to do it. And when you fill out the application, it is now filled out in a question and answer format so it makes it simple to fill it out um, on this page also you have a whole bunch of other safety resources um, that tab on the left that says daily decisions that is where everybody gets your information from because once you like that top list right there certificates of authority once you apply all your information on the application becomes public knowledge except your tax number and so you can uh, you can go up to like today, Jay, on that calendar and oh, wow. click and it will show you in real time 
what applications have already been granted. Here's a permit for a freight forwarder and it has all their contact information and Whoa. on and on. It's just a, a list that keeps going. Whoa. This is where everybody gets your private information from to then come uh, solicit whoa. you right there. Certificate of authority letter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Also, Look at oh my gosh. Also, don't let yourself fall victim to paying an extra 50 or or $100 to get that right there on the screen, that certificate. That is the letter that you need for the brokers to allow you to haul for them. It normally takes about a week to come in the mail after your authority is approved and you're not supposed to operate without it in your possession. Brian, but don't let the, these companies charge you 50 or $100 to give you that letter when you can come to the FMCSA website and find it here with a search the day your authority goes active and print it for free. Brian, are you telling me there are seven, there's 738 pages here? Yep. And, and I see just two today's decisions. That, now, out of that, a couple of them are like the mailing page and stuff. So cut that number in half. But there were probably 350 decisions today to grant or revoke or suspend different forms of a motor carrier, wow. freight forwarder, and broker authority. Wow. And that happens every single day. Every day. The day's not over yet. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. That's a lot. Yes. And I say, the reason I'm saying there is, I'm kind of, you know, somebody's like, wow, what's going on with Jay? Okay, that's your competition, right? Yes. Holy now, they're not all car haulers. Right, not all, but They are in the industry. And so, if you go back to when it was a good time wow. a year ago, you're going to see thousands of decisions in a day. And 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 this is where, and I, again, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take this in um, is that when people are like we need to we need to all band together how are you going to band together with 500 new decisions every day mhm mm there's no way there's no band and i say that I, I again i know that's kind of strange but i it bothers me when people think something could happen that just man that isn't going to happen <laughs> right <laughs> And, and I most see of it, us are in this business because we're fiercely independent. How many years have you seen on Facebook, we all need to band together? It's been going since before or that. Ever. It's been going since the 60s and 70s, and we've had very limited success right. with it. Since Woodstock, they've been trying to band together. And yes. I, again, I say this because like, you just have to know. Now, now, keep in mind, we're prohibited as independent businesses from banding together in a lot of things, especially in areas that would uh, want us to regulate or control service rates for the service and such. That it would be a, a RICO violation, so the organized crime and racketeering oh violations. If we even discuss <laughs> oh there should be a minimum so freight we, rate of X amount right. of dollars, Price we're not fixing? legally allowed to do right. that. We're, oh my god, that is so crazy. We finally get the band back together and now we've, we have a RICO violation. Mm -hmm. That's a federal offense. Yes. Um, let's talk about this. We got a few minutes left. That was really, really interesting. What is this? I see, okay, with growing EV adoption, car haulers call for higher weight limits. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Coalition calls for increased weight limits for auto haulers. Here's another one. Coalition makes push to increase weight limits for vehicle transporters. Before I bring up the letter in the coalition, you want to talk about what this is all about? 
it's really just about cars have become heavier and we can't load nine because these weight exemptions are strictly for stinger steered automobile transporters. They will not help your wedge or your high mount crowd at all. This request is to allow a 10% weight increase, which would be 88,000 pounds instead of 80,000 with 10% increase on your axle weight as well. Um, this would allow you to now legally load nine average electric cars on your Stinger, where right now nine will put you in the 83, 84,000 pound range with most trucks and combinations, and you're overweight, except in a few states that allow you to have a little extra weight. So they're trying to get uh, 88,000 pound trucks on the current configuration of five axles, so not adding an extra axle just increasing what the limit would be provided that your truck trailer and tires are all rated enough to haul that much weight um knowing the climate for weight increase it probably will not happen uh i've been working in the towing industry trying to get a weight increase for tow trucks so that they can safely and legally tow really? your vehicle um, now there are some powerful hitters in this coalition trying to make it happen um if it does, it'll probably be a compromise and you'll end up seeing three axle uh, trailers on your Stinger Steer automobile like they have in Alaska. Um, but I don't know where it's going to go yet. And they have very powerful uh, um, organizations against it, including the Owner Operator Independent Drivers Association. Yeah. OIDA, as a matter of policy, opposes all weight increases. Even when, and they're short-sighted in this one, even yeah. when it benefits their members, but they can't wrap their head around there's a way to get paid other than by the mile. And car haulers are paid by the piece. Grain haulers, gravel haulers are paid by the ton mile. So for those companies, we want heavier weights. It's not a, oh, you're going to have more weight in your truck and still get paid the same amount of money. No, we put that extra car on and we increase our revenue 500 $1,000, $1,500. It is worth it for us. But OOIDA is very short-sighted in this and cannot seem to grasp that concept. So <laughs> they are fighting it. And they have the ear of right. most members of Congress. I, they're in, yeah. I mean, that they, they. I don't know. Yeah, how they, to, they, yeah. They're, they're the voice that represents independent truckers, even when they don't represent and what they, independent truckers really want. And they share. I mean, I, it's in. I mean, you know. You Gen see, generally, I'm, I'm literally I like conflicted in do. the words I'm trying to use. I like I like them on many things, but on this, I don't I don't see it. I don't. Yes. I just don't agree, um, but we can agree to disagree, which is irritating. Uh, so this coalition here's the here's this this coalition is for the change, right? Mm -hmm. And this is this would be in auto transport where you're really going to see this need. I mean, you got. I, I'm amazed at this this group in itself all agrees on something that's amazing isn't it yes you you, you have all the major <laughs> auto transporters most of the major electric vehicle manufacturers you have the leading auto transport equipment manufacturer and the truck trailer manufacturer association you have this is a who's who yeah when, list of the auto transport industry when else will you see all these associations and companies agree on one thing yes never I mean, I'm speculating live. So uh, let's do this. I went through this is a this is a letter, and thank you, John. 
Um, and here is your diagram of like what you were just explaining. Let's hit it again. So without the weight consideration allowance, which again is the solution, is mm -hmm. allow us to carry another 8,000 pounds, right? Which would give us the ability to carry those two heavier EV units. Right now, we're okay. We can get nine midsize SUVs on a Stinger steer. But mm -hmm. if you, if it, with the EV weight, because batteries are heavier, as those cars all increase weight per unit, we can no longer carry nine, and we have these empty spots, really for no reason, right? Correct. Correct. The equipment is more than capable of handling the extra weight, but the weight distribution laws, which have remained unchanged for 40-plus years, do not allow it. So, so th think about it this way yeah. with the mandates for electric vehicles. And if we're running trucks that are only at 75% capacity, so for every four trucks that go out on the road with empty spots, we need a fifth truck just to move what they could by up, upping the weight, we can reduce. And I know this sounds counterproductive for those of us that want work for our fleets, but we can reduce truck-related emissions and truck traffic by almost 20% by simply adding this weight increase to the regulation because we can move seven, nine instead of seven vehicles at a time. And this allows us as owner-operators that are contracted with these companies or as the companies themselves allow us to be much more efficient. And I don't know about you, but when I owned my trucks, I wanted to get paid a full truckload rate. I wanted to be full. And nobody likes to pay a truckload rate when you're only hauling seven out of your nine vehicles. Not to mention, it doesn't say that you have to just be electric vehicles for this to happen. So even if you are getting a full truckload rate for these seven EVs, you can fill the spot with two other regular vehicles, be just over 80,000 pounds, and be perfectly legal to roll down the road. And now you have increased your revenue per mile, which is the key to success, increasing your revenue without dramatically increasing your expenses. The difference in fuel consumption and wear and tear on your truck is almost negligible to add these two extra vehicles. We're talking an extra 8,000 pounds, 9,000 pounds on your vehicle. Well, that's the thing is that, I mean, because we always hear about efficiency and we know that a lot of carriers are forced to, dead, to, to hurry up and deadhead back because they're in such a hurry, won't this just exacerbate the problem? I know that we have chip shortages and OEM changes and whatnot anyways, but this this is Atlas Shrugged. Do you know, in Atlas Shrugged, the government gets so involved in everything that nothing makes sense anymore. Mm -hmm. This is Atlas Shrugged. Well, just just imagine what we could do when we're freeing up one in five trucks because we can maximize our capacity to move the backlog of vehicles. It would just allow for a much more efficient freight transportation system. By the way, what are we talking about? 8,000 pounds. Are trucks going to destroy bridges and asphalt? What are we talking about? No, because the weight is distributed across the five axles. And so you're looking at a 10% weight increase. So looking at that picture there, that front steer axle is probably a 13, 8, 14,000 pound axle. So 10% of that is an additional 1,400 pounds. The tandems are 34,000. So an additional 3,400 pounds on your tractor trailer, 
tractor and trailer tandems. Right now, a lot of the outlaw truckers run heavier than that and just dodge to scale. This will at least allow the state to now increase the vehicle registration fee and recoup money for the damage that may be or not be being done to the road and generate the revenue to cover the excess wear where this is happening every day. It's just not reported because the trucks go around the scale. The, the, these axles on these trucks are more than capable of supporting the weight. The weight is distributed now across a 80-foot of vehicle. So you have from the front axle to the center tandem of your trailer somewhere in the neighborhood of 68 to 70 foot to space that weight out. You're not causing any damage to the roadways or the bridges. All right, so while we we got a lot of logic on our side, I just want to speculate live. So if you're on the other side, how do you how do you get a congressperson to agree with what otherwise probably doesn't make sense? Do you show them a lot of photos of cracked roads and tired drivers? How, how do you can how do you make this argument? Well, to make our argument for this, you show them this simple infographic and let them do the math and let them understand that this means better utilization of trucks, yeah, but, so less trips with the trucks on the yeah, road. Brian, we don't want logic to win. How do we argue? <laughs> well, if we want to argue against this, yeah. then yes, you go to fear-mongering and you We're show go to deteriorated fear. infrastructure. And that's right. if that's the case, let's all go back to what it was prior to wow. 1986 and limit trucks to 73,280 pounds or go <laughs> some other exactly. arbitrary weights of it's, 60 and 50,000. It's arbitrary. I, I, I like to bring up, this is really interesting, I like to bring up just... If we look at throughout history how laws laws change, when a law changes, then you look back and go, well, why did we do all that other stuff before? It's like prohibition. It's the best example of like we had a dumb law, and finally somebody's like, you know, this is a really dumb law, and we got rid mm -hmm. of it. And but we don't realize how dumb a law is while it's in place. Right. <laughs> we may have a dumb law here. And yes, I, I think our weight limits for commercial vehicles need to be revisited. Uh, keep in mind, braking has improved. We now have disc brakes on all axles available on commercial trucks. There are all sorts of other improvements in the vehicle. So stopping 80 versus 88 or 90,000 pounds really right. is a negligible difference. Um, our highways, as much as they appear they're deteriorating, we are building them with better techniques and materials than we ever did before, so they're better suited to handle this. It, it is time to revisit size and weight limits for all trucks, not necessarily just uh, stinger steer automobile transporters. I mean, if you look, a lot of states have special exemptions for harvest season for agricultural products, forest products, and, and so on. and their roads aren't falling apart. Awesome. Awesome debate. Really good stuff. Well, Brian, thanks again for a really insightful show. Uh, New Authority Application and EV Coalition Talk. We are live carrier advice on ATI Auto Business once a month. And we're going to come back again. So we decided it's April 5th. Is that yes. right? Yes, April 5th. All right, we'll be back on April 5th. If you have a question in between then and now, please do feel free to email Brian. Uh, I'll put it in the uh, in the live chat once again. You can email Brian, and you can visit his company business website, and he is more than happy to 
try to give you some friendly advice. And if you need more, you can turn it into a business transaction. Brian, thank you, man. You're welcome, Jay. So much. I'm loving Enjoy this. Enjoy being here. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, cool. Have a good day. Stay safe. We'll see you, we'll see you in a month. Yep, see you in April. Thank right, you, everybody. Thanks, Brian. thanks very much. All right, I'm letting Brian go. Brian is, he is out of here. Um, and jumping in the live chat is always helpful. That was good stuff. Thank you guys so much um, for those questions and interaction. For saying hello, John Larrick, Devin, Alat, and I like I like seeing the Danny Silvermint, Chris, friendly faces always. Really do appreciate it. Um, you guys are a big part of this channel, and uh, Gino said hello too. What's up, Gino? So thank you so much. It's ATI Auto Business. You know the deal. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with Dispatching Live again at noon. Most day shows are at noon. Then you got Tuesday nights at 7 Central. That's noon Central. And then near the end of the month, we'll have some more live coverage from Car Conference. But in between, let me know how it can help. Send me an email. I'm Jay. It's autotransportintel at gmail.com. That was the original name of the channel, but now it's ATI Auto Business. Because everything in automotive is connected. So we're everywhere now. You've seen us. And if you don't know what's going on or how we can help, let us know. Send me an email. Talk to Ty. You want to talk to somebody on the phone? You're like, man, I, you know, these videos are fine, but I need to talk to somebody. Call or text Ty. Ty Thompson, 417-483-2764. And he, man, he takes calls all the time. Um, I had to take my car into the shop and he gave me a ride. He was taking a call. He just, and, and I mean, and just, just two dudes talking. It's awesome. So that's what we are. We're ATI. Thank you so much. Please do join us tomorrow on Dispatching Live. I'm sure it's going to be crazy. So please, we'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.